Alright, so welcome to the Party Invite Podcast, where we strive to bring together a diverse group of enthusiasts to play, discuss, and enjoy everything video games. Uh, tonight we have party members Thomas Egan. Hello, that's me. Debbie Hill. Wingapo. <laughs> and and I am <laughs> and I am your party leader, Vilos. So uh tonight is episode forty-five. Woo! Woo! We're getting there. Heck yeah we are. And uh we'll of course have uh discussion on what we've been playing oh my gosh uh, carlos we'll talk about some uh, spoopy games a little bit uh and i did say spoopy just just to clarify because i didn't enunciate that well um spoopy games uh and uh a little bit on a very particular subject that came up the past couple days uh with metroid dread a game that uh, a lot of people have been talking about and i will of course uh talk about a bit much much more further um Carlos, you're, my, you're uh, gonna hate me. Playing. You're gonna hate me. What are you doing? I had forgotten to to pause Spotify until about halfway through your intro. So, uh, rip in peace, what? buddy. You'll be like, "All right, this going up up on Spotify." Oh no, wait. Like, what? <laughs> we'll go back at the end. The uh, you'll be like, "Welcome." Like, <laughs> <laughs> I really hope not. Well, but, uh. Yeah. We'll fix it in post. No, we'll, uh, well, we actually will figure it out at the end. Uh, cause most of what you said is good, but, uh, oh, geez, I'm so great, sorry. Great, great. We need, we need to hire a real professional. Just keep, mm -hmm. keep it in there. I'm kind of curious as to what song it is. I, I just... Oh, it's just, it's, uh, stream beat stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> Welcome to party. If I, I want you back. <laughs> I mean, I, I, uh, I keep getting ads for, uh, a Spotify playlist called like Candy Pop, and which I don't even listen to that kind of music really. Uh, but it has Britney Spears on the cover, like '90s Britney Spears on it. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like nothing against Britney, but uh, why me? <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't get it. But because it's Britney, bitch. <laughs> so, uh, just in case, uh, in case we run into a whole lot of time. Uh, just a reminder, this is episode 45 of our Party Invite podcast, and uh, we're going to talk about some things, and if you missed my intro earlier, then blame Thomas. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Take two. Uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get into what we've been playing. Devi, I, I heard you've been playing, like, a game, maybe. It's taken over my life, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's all I've been playing for, like, three weeks. And I can't stop playing it, and I probably need to uh, see a professional about it because it's uh, it's a little bit of a problem. But it's this lovely free-to-play game called Pokemon Unite, and uh, if if you are unfamiliar with that, it is a Pokemon-based MOBA multiplayer online battle arena game, such as uh, League of Legends, Arena of Valor, uh, Vainglory, Paragon, um, all the other ones. So. Uh, yeah, they came out with Sylveon like two weeks ago, whatever, and I've been obsessed with playing Sylveon. Um, they have a whole bunch of new events going on to where they specifically ask you to play a certain role or a certain Pokemon. And me being a completionist, I have to complete them all before the event is complete. Even though they give me two weeks to do it, I have to do it right now. So um, they just actually started an event where there's 12 days of it left and I'm already done. Awesome. So, um, so some of those, some of those, uh, like stipulations are like play 24 matches with this pokemon 
And a match in Pokemon Unite is about 10 minutes long. So I knocked that out in like a day. And so that's 10 minutes times 24, which is what? 240. That's how many hours is that? Four hours. Four hours. So yeah, I just kind of sit there and do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's really cool because now it's gearing up towards the spooky season. Yay. Nothing else visually has changed about the game, but the main lobby music is super duper spooky now. Like I'm talking like Halloween Town spooky. And it makes me so happy. I will sit there and listen to that just while I'm like cooking or something. Because mm-hmm. even though I'm not playing, I still have to get my Pokemon Unite fixed. Because I have a problem. <laughs> I did see the uh, firefighter Blastoise, and he's it's so going. cool. Squirtle Squad Squirtle grew up, and he's a firefighter. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, but it costs money. I mean, I have money that I could spend on it. I just, I just don't want to. I just bought the the Super Zoot Suit like Church Blastoise. So, you know, Uncle Blastoise. It's actually pronounced Blastois. So, Blastois. Uh, you know, it's French. You know, keep up in there eating that fried chicken. Uh, yep. Talk about Jesus. <laughs> um, I actually like that one a lot uh, better than the firefighter. The firefighter one is like so ostentatious to me, but it is really still a cool outfit. I'm just waiting for them to release um something for Mammoth Swine. Like, I don't know, like a little top hat or something. How do you dress an elephant? Yeah, that's. It's a mammoth? Then... I know it's a mammoth, but I mean, like. Still, just the idea. I don't know. It, it'll probably do something along the lines of like Eldegoss because they have the fashionable style for Eldegoss and it's just a bunch of flowers like stuck in its cotton. Yeah. yeah. So uh, maybe they'll just do something like that because like I'm thinking like, you know, Ice Age uh, where they had uh, Queen Latifah's character and she had like the flower in her hair. So maybe uh, something okay. like that. Something simple. I want to see it with like a like a big old cashmere scarf. <laughs> just like this like draped over cashmere scarf and that's it. Just like a pink scarf. Okay, no, it's going to be a mustache and monocle. There you go. <laughs> um, but Mammoth Swine can only be female. Really? Yeah. Only female, oh. pil- pil- only female Pillow Swine can evolve into Mammoth Swine. Hence the... Well, Mammo, it's like... So it's like a double entendre because Mammoth, but then also Mammo, like... Like mom. Know. Like mama. Like that. Mommy. So I really hope they come out with something for Mana Swine. Um, I think Snorlax needs another citrus berry item. He just he needs something else. Maybe that mustache and monocle you talk about. Berry monocle, you know, he doesn't have enough clothes for that. But that's what I that's what I've been playing. I'm I'm probably gonna play it more after we get off of this pop this podcast. I'm gonna eat first. I'm gonna play some more. I mean, are are we ever gonna get Devi back to Rogue or Knockout City? Or I mean, if people want to play with me, yeah. Hard. But the main reason I've been playing Pokemon Unite is because it's something I have a lot of fun playing by myself. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to play Rogue or Splitgate or, or any of those games, Back for Blood, with somebody. Um, so, I mean, if, if y'all are trying to do, like, a thing... I didn't join the last time because you had a full lobby, but... Um, well, so there's there's the struggle, right? It's like everybody's waiting for somebody else to, to like, start. So, like, e- even in our in our Discord, we have a zillion people. I mean, I could pull something up, but, like... We have a zillion people signed up for a d- bunch of different roles. And even like Splitgate, we posted in our Facebook group probably two, maybe three weeks ago. And everybody and their brother was like, yo, if you guys are playing Splitgate, hit me up. And I'm just like, where are you guys every time I'm asking for Splitgate? Like, <laughs> you guys are only, you're only <laughs> checking Facebook in the times that I'm not looking for people. Uh, it just cracks me up. Because, um, yeah, like finding a game that you want to play by yourself is a lot easier because 
Dude, wrangling a whole squad is is hard sometimes. Unless you've got like a regular group chat that you're talking to anyway. Um, you know, you could know 30 people who want to play, but the time you log on and you're looking for somebody, nobody reads your message till an hour after you are finished playing. Oh, you know? yeah. I mean, Debbie Discord response time is definitely a day later. Like, <laughs> I actually oh, yeah. just checked my DMs and one of my coworkers aimed me about something and I was like, oh, uh, I hope that wasn't important because I just saw this. <laughs> it's because I'm too busy playing Pokemon. <laughs> and it was like their last will and testament that was secretly only to you, like that special DM. Right. It's okay. His cats can have it now. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing Sylveon. Too late. I'm, I'm lost. I'm lost to the world. <laughs> All right, and uh, I'll go ahead and go next since uh, you got a, a few more games there, Thomas. So, uh, oh, jeez, wait, wait, playing... hold on. That's why I should go next because you're gonna be like, okay, and now everybody, if you could just like check out for about thirty minutes, Thomas is just gonna go on. I mean, you know, if you want to, that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, let me. Uh, I've got, I've got something here I can play. Turns out, uh, when I was looking for a Pokemon trailer, Pokemon Unite trailer to play, uh. Pretty much all the footage I can find is either IGN or GameSpot um, resharing the trailer to YouTube. So it's really hard to find something that doesn't have the watermark on it. Because um, I just uh, I thought it would be easier to find Nintendo's like original trailer, and it's just like basically not here. Um, hmm. So that's that's an interesting thing. Because yeah, the, the watermarks are everywhere, and I'm like, you know, I, I'm not really looking for IGN like original content to put on here. I'm just looking for the trailer. Uh, but those are the struggles. Um, but no, I mean, game journalists don't tend to do very well at the games they're reviewing and, and, and previewing anyway, so... Uh, that's true. <laughs> uh, well, tell you what, let's get this one. Let's talk about Back for Blood. We just played that, uh, Carlos, you and I played that on Tuesday with uh, Mortis and uh, my cousin, actually. And that was good a old hot rod. good old hot rod. Uh, that was a good time. We... Uh, played that together. That's the first time that I've played it um, since beta. So technically, if you did not pre-order, it came out um, Monday night. <laughs> I'm <Well>. listening. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it came out Monday night. Um, oh my gosh, this is another trailer that's timestamped by IGN. I just, I just want the trailer. This kills me. Well, everybody, don't report me. All right. Uh, <laughs> Just expand the window so that you don't see the watermark. Well, there you go. that's that's there harder go. than it sounds. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, yeah. on the fly like that, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know what? Don't uh, look! Yeah, nobody looked. <laughs> but it was the Good first job. time we played together since uh, since the beta. And uh, a bunch of people like Mortis who pre-ordered it have been playing since, I think, Thursday. Uh, and so before I even get into the actual game, because I've talked about it before, it's mostly the same game. Uh, the interesting thing here is that um, I know a lot of people, Debbie, you included, didn't know that the uh, that you got early access, quote unquote, if you pre-ordered it, so that you could you know play it a half a week early. Um, I didn't pre-order it because I got it on Game Pass. So to me, like I knew that existed, but I wasn't interested in it because I didn't want to pay you know sixty dollars when I could just right. wait a few more days. Uh, but anyway, uh, it seemed like a lot of people didn't know that you could play it early if you pre-ordered it. And so uh, a bunch of people were surprised about that because um, they were going to buy it anyway, uh, but they just hadn't. So I just thought that was a remarkable thing to see a lot of people not realize that that was available. 
Um, because I I keep getting served all sorts of ads for this game. Um, yeah, they've been marketing it really, really well. Like everywhere I turn, literally just on Twitter, I'm scrolling and I see like three different ads for Back for Blood, and it's the same image, but it's all different text. I'm like, who's running this account? Like, yeah, go home, sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I thought that was funny. Uh, but the game is out in the wild now. So we played the actual uh, 1.0 release. We played the campaign in co-op with our full squad. Uh, the game sure seems harder than it did before. We tried to start on the uh, second difficulty, which I thought, well, I didn't even look at the difficulties this time. But Thanks in, to your hubris, by the way. Yeah, yeah, boy. <laughs> like, oh, now we got this veteran. <laughs> so, I, you know, I like a little bit of challenge. And in the beta, uh, the only difference between the first and second difficulty was... Um, was a friendly like, fire. Like, health, right? uh, it's like spawns of the uh, mutants, I think. Yeah, it's well, in the beta, it was like the first and second difficulty were the same. The only difference was that you could hurt your allies. The friendly fire was on. Uh, mm -hmm. And then the third, uh, the third out of three difficulty um, was way amped up. Like all the stuff was turned up and it was very difficult. I played like one round with randos on that and it was, it was trouble. Um, but in this, I didn't look at the difficulty, but it certainly seems like that second difficulty is legitimately harder uh, than the first one now. So we jumped in, and and uh, Valor, a guy in uh, in uh, Mortis's community, he jumped in. And he was like, "Hey, since you guys are just starting, you haven't unlocked any custom decks yet. Like you haven't built uh, your your loadout." And without that, I would not recommend the second difficulty. And I said, "Nah, we can we can give it a shot. We'll see how far we get." And boy. We got to like the second fight, and we wiped. Like we lost. No more continues. Dead. And we're like, okay, may maybe we bump it back down. And so once we did that, we had more fun. Uh, but the game definitely does seem tougher than it it did uh, the first time around. Um, yeah, it felt significantly different. Yeah. I wonder if that's due to like feedback that they received during the beta period. Uh, maybe. I mean, I I, I did like the 1.0 difficulty more than the beta difficulty for sure. I will be interested once I've got an actual deck, you know, and loadout built. Uh, I will be interested in playing the harder stuff um, because this does seem like the kind of game, I think it's gotten fair criticism as a kind of game that you're going to play through once and then you know, it's not going to have a lot of replayability for a lot of people. And I think that is true. Um, as long as I've got a squad to play it, I mean, I'd be interested in sticking around to really see how how far the challenge goes and if it feels fair uh because sometimes uh, uh you know a hard difficulty just isn't even fun um you know it's too much of a challenge even if you're very good even if you're well coordinated so i'd be interested to see how that is i i mean i hope it's good but who knows we played like five, six levels so maybe maybe a little bit more than that we played was, something like that it was only i think it was like Three well, levels first... away from the end of Act One. Okay. Yeah. So that's I think that's six out of nine. Is that right? At least I mean it was a lot. Yeah, we we did play a lot. Um. So yeah, most a lot of the stuff that we saw is stuff that we did see during the beta. Uh. So it wasn't any. Well, it wasn't as new as I thought it might be, but it's still the beginning of the game, and there's so much more left to go. Uh. But there were a lot of new things that were different. Um. Even even in a, a, the same level that we played in the beta, there were items 
in new areas. There were enemies that didn't spawn. I mean, the giant, uh, the ogre, the massive enemy, spawned on a level that it did not spawn on during the beta. Yeah, and, and that was wild. Yeah. That was hilarious. And so it seems like that might be a random occurrence, uh, one of the random things at the beginning of the level that says, hey, here's one of your modifiers. Um, I haven't replayed that yet, so I'm not sure, but um, if if it is just a random modifier and you don't know when there's going to be a boss on this level or not, uh, I am interested in that. That gives it more variability when you go back to replay it. Because if you can't replay this game, then you know, then that'll be it. Then uh, people will fall off this game pretty quick once everybody's gotten through the campaign. Probably like so, because it might be like too routine. Yes. Yeah. You'll know exactly. You know exactly where everything is going to spawn. You know exactly what loadout you're going to get. You know, and you're going to optimize it, and there's not going to be a lot of surprise. Um, and that's that's when games really just get forgotten. So, um, I'm having fun right now. I hope to keep playing with a full squad till through the end of that campaign. Uh, we're going to be playing. Uh, Russ, if you're still down, I'll be playing with you tomorrow, and whoever else jumps on. Um. Yeah, we'll have a good Friday night playing, playing Back for Blood. But uh, but that stuff's good. I'll have more to talk about next week because I am going to play that at least a couple sessions before the next podcast. But uh, it was good. I'm glad that's out in the op- or out in the wild because uh, I've been really hankering for that squad co-op. Um, last week or last weekend when I played, let's see, uh, it was this past weekend. I I didn't stream all weekend. Uh, I just. It's the first weekend in a long, long time that I haven't streamed at all on Saturday or Sunday. And I was sitting there, I'm like, man, the only thing I want to play is the one thing I refuse to pre-order. Because if I just wait, I'll get it. <laughs> but it was so hard. It's the only thing I wanted to play. Uh, but See, what that's I- when you break open Pokemon Unite. And then, no. <laughs> uh, well, so uh, I kept breaking out Slay the Spire. I'm not really going to get into it, but I've been playing Slay the Spire every night for like, like two or three weeks at least. And I'm wow. loving it. Uh, that is a really good game. And I love how much there is to discover. I'm still constantly finding new things in that game. Uh, but, uh, Carlos, if you want to go real quick, I'm going to queue up some other stuff. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I've really gotten to play this week, besides Back for Blood with you, was Metroid Dread. That is the game of the month for sure right now. Um, even I, I think it's the talk has even surpassed Back for Blood. Oh, uh, I since, would agree. You know, Dread didn't have like Dread had a whole lot of hype, but it also didn't have the uh, the beta testing and stuff like that. So, uh, Dread has been on fire as far as conversation goes. A lot of people um, talking about it being a game of the year contender. Uh, I absolutely love it. Being somebody that has played a ton of Metroidvanias, um, it's definitely in the upper echelon uh, of the genre. Uh, I will say right off the bat, though, for anybody that you know has expectations and they they haven't gotten to play Metroid Dread yet, uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps is still the better game. Period. It's it's far and like by and large the best Metroidvania style game I've ever played. Ori and the Will of the Wisps is, um, and so Metroid Dread had a a whole lot of a whole lot to get past for me. But it's really good. Um, you know, the visual style is very unique. Um, you know, basically only Metroid games uh, look like it. <laughs> um, and we don't get them very often, so it's it's been very refreshing. 
the uh, difficulty level, which is something I'll, I'll come back to for the main party topic. Uh, the difficulty level is is definitely up there, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily harder than the average uh, in the genre. So you know, people are people have issues with Hollow Knight. I would say that they're going to continue having those issues, but to a, a lesser extent because Dread is very good at at leading you by the hand. Um, it's not it doesn't treat you like a baby, but it does say, hey. You know, this is this is what you should be doing at this point. Uh, you know, you're you're gonna find things uh, in sequence. Uh, for those those people that uh, that play these games all the time, they talk about uh, playing out of sequence a lot, which you technically can do. So if you're a Metroid purist, yes, go ahead and explore like seventy five percent of the world. You can do that for the most part to uh, get abilities and stuff like that before you should, but. Uh, at the end of the day, it really does tell you very well what to do uh, from the get-go, and it's it's very satisfying. And there is a, a satisfactory level of dread throughout the entire thing, because anybody that's watched the uh, trailers and see uh, see the Emmy robots, <laughs> they are legit. They are they all have their own uh, little uh, little personalities as far as their the abilities that they have. So. A lot of people have talked about the fourth Emmy, uh, which is the speed Emmy, and uh, a lot of people say that it's like a panther because <laughs> the there are some really cool animalistic uh, animations that the Emmys have, and uh, that one is absolutely one of the best uh, fights that that I've had in in Metroidvania style games. It's just this super quick thing that's chasing you. Uh, way faster than Samus is, and Samus is legitimately one of the fastest characters in video games. Like, coming from, from playing Zero Suit in Smash, like, you're gonna be like, oh my god, they actually took that Samus and put her in a Metroid, because Samus Returns was the last game that we've, uh, that we've had, um, but she did not feel anywhere near what she does in this game. She is so incredibly athletic. Like, she is a very uh, intensely powerful character, uh, and you feel so good playing her. But when you are uh, down and without your abilities, these Emmy are like just superior to you in every way. Um, it's is, there's, is there's Emmy just the shortened version of enemy because it takes too long to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it should be, it should be, and there are Emmys uh, yeah, everywhere. They're... <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, what, what's the uh, what's the robot I've seen in all sorts of videos that like chases you and scans you? That's what it is. That's the that's the Emmy. So there are different types uh, based on different abilities, and so um, it technically was there to uh, check for X parasites that are on this planet, uh, and then something happened. Ooh. Oh, and, and then uh, flat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something happened and uh their communication with uh what is it the federation or whatever uh the federation lost communication with them so samus goes out on this mission to uh see why the hell that was and she learns a few things pretty quickly um it's not even, it's not a spoiler but hey uh guess what there are still parasites uh, on this planet what <laughs> that's it's crazy right Man. <laughs> um and and so uh if you're familiar with metroid fusion 
Samus has uh, some some parasite inside of her that's keeping her alive. Uh, it's a really cool story, uh, and that's that's another really great bit about Metroid Dread is it it really brings the story uh, to the forefront, which we have not had enough of because you know people shat on uh, other M on the Wii. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> a while back, like. It they were really like, I don't want to learn about a woman. Ah, let me just do things. <laughs> <laughs> but it did take some some story cues from that, um, and brought a good chunk of of Metroid Fusion. And it's like, hey, you remember how cinematic this Game Boy Advance game was? Let's just let's just bring that up like five notches. And the cutscenes in this are so fun. Uh, especially when you're fighting a boss, there are moments where you can actually control your gun in the cutscene. Oh, cool. That is, like, super neat. And sometimes it actually forces you. This is... There are technically QTE uh, moments in this, um, but there's nothing... There's no uh, button presses on screen. It's a flash, and uh, it gets extra intense. Um, for anybody that doesn't know, when you're fighting the Emmy robot... Uh, it grabs you, and when it grabs you, you have technically two chances to uh, to counter that attack. Uh, the first one is unpredictable because it brings up a it brings up its little like gun hand, and then it opens it up and does something, and it's unpredictable every time, even if you're fighting the same Emmy. Like I I was successful in the QTE four times in one fight, and then. Uh, it changed it up on me, and I, I, I lost on the final try. I think I saw uh, it was then, your retweet that somebody did it three times in a row, and they were like thrilled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's super satisfying. I am not kidding. Like when it happens, it's great, and it's really funny watching all the videos and stuff that that were on Twitter all week. Uh, it's been such a great time uh, because a lot of people are like, I can't even do it once, <laughs> and there were people doing it several times in one fight, uh, and it's it's so good it's so intense um there's a whole lot to say about metroid dread it's not my game of the year but that's just because there's been so many good games um but it's definitely up there it's it's a really good time and i'm sure i will think more highly of it even uh when i actually finish it i'm probably two to three hours away uh from the end and man after about three hours it really grips you and the gameplay just speeds up like you just start opening up the entire world so quickly uh, after a few different uh, ability upgrades. Ah, it's so nice. I can't wait for speedrunners to get their hands on Like, for real, real. Yeah, uh, that's what a lot of people are getting into. Um, we're going to see some good numbers, I think. Uh, so far, I saw uh, that the record right now, as it stands, is an hour and 38 minutes. This is Checks out an easy like easy eight to ten hours on average, so <laughs> it's pretty intense. Don't care. They don't care. They said your yeah. game takes how long? Five seconds? Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I heard. <laughs> no, no, we said eight days. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that's like reducing uh, Resident Evil Two Remake down to twenty three minutes. Like that's just ridiculous. <laughs> so I can't wait to see uh, see what happens with it for sure. Yeah, that's good. Uh, well, cool. What's next? Uh, well, so so you beat it? Question mark. No, 
Not quite. Oh, you I'm, haven't? I'm a couple hours away from beating it. Man, after yeah, how quick I, you beat... I got, about, I got about four and a half hours in right now, I think. Okay. The, the funny thing, though, is that it. Uh, a lot of people have noted that it doesn't actually track the time when you fail. So if you have to keep restarting, then it's not. Ex then you don't know exactly how much time you spent on the game. Yeah. Uh, as far as final time tally, I'm probably going to be at six and a half hours, maybe seven hours when I complete it. Um, and I'm not going for 100% uh, completion. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not that far off. But it's it's definitely a game to replay for sure. Cool. Yeah, I'm surprised after you beat Carry On twice the day question mark that it came out. Yeah. I was just like, oh, Carl's going to cruise through this thing. He's going to be, next week he's going to be like, man, I beat it three times. I hold the world record for, uh, you know, 100% run. Dude, I really wanted to. I really did. Saturday, I legit did nothing but play Metro Dread. But uh, like I said, it does get hard. And after about two and a half hours, if you're playing on the Joy-Cons handheld, your hands will fucking cramp. Like, absolutely. Well, I mean, speak for yourself. <laughs> Man, you should I, invest in one of those, like, horny yeah. pads. Like, the big, the split row or whatever. I, I have the, the split pad, and I haven't busted it out yet for this. But uh, I think I'm going to have to. Man, if I if I played more games on my Switch besides Slave Aspire, and that's pretty much it, uh, I would definitely invest in a pad. Because my hands keep hurting when I'm playing that. Uh, my, my thumbs just don't like the way that they sit on that controller. Um, and I've had to be creative or like take breaks even when I'm playing because it's been bothering me so much. But uh, Have y'all tried having daintier hands? Oh, shoot. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. What a fool I've been. <laughs> Now's the perfect time to get some like bone-changing potion because, you know, yeah, spooky fucking just like, Yeah, there you go. I'm sure they've got that on Metroid Planet, right? A parasite you can... Uh, Put inside you for dainty hands, right? No, they just—they just do like they just do chozo training for that. Oh shoot, that's way too expensive. They don't change any of your structure; they just make it more malleable. We gotta make new bird friends. So, well, well, speaking of nightmare bone changing, I played Curse of the Dead Gods this week, which we watched Chris play after last week's podcast. Can hit play on this. Uh, it's cool. I mean, if you guys watched last week, you already you already know, but it is a game that's on Game Pass. It mixes Darkest Dungeon and Hades elements. So you uh, go, in, go into this, you know, roguelike run-based uh, dungeon, you know, and as you progress, you dodge traps, you fight enemies, you have uh, two sets of weapons. You have, like, uh, two one-handed weapons, and then a two-handed weapon. You also have your torch. And so the torch, uh, you can use it as a weapon to hit enemies, catch them on fire, or you can just use it for light, or you can even uh, light braziers and, and other things in the environment, uh, burn vines and all that. Uh, and so the light and darkness affect a whole bunch of things. Uh, if your torch is not out, if there's no light, um, traps will not show up as traps. So if there's a spiked floor... It's not that there isn't enough light to see it. It's that in the game, if there is not light shining on the trap, it looks like a regular floor. So it's not just about being perceptive. It is about uh, realizing when you need to pull out. Like, it, I several times would go down a hallway 
and then realize, oh crap, I'm standing on spikes, and then I'd stumble around and get hit by six of them before I got off of it. Um, because I just wasn't paying attention. And so it's the kind of game that keeps you on your toes. You go through it, and you collect gold and curse, uh, corruption is called, and you use that to either select or upgrade your weapons. And of course, the the better stuff is more expensive. You can either spend gold on it, or if you don't have enough, you have to spend corruption. And when you build up that corruption, you get cursed. And so there's no way to avoid curses. You will be cursed, uh, but you want to keep that low because the curses all stack on each other. And then if you get five curses, which I still haven't done yet, uh, the fifth curse is supposed to be very deadly. Uh, Chris was telling me that the one he got just drains your health over time. So it basically puts a time limit. You have to finish that run uh, immediately or you're going to die. But the curses are really clever. The combat feels really good to me. I think I'm I'm pretty sure I've been playing it on keyboard. I don't think I've been using a controller. I don't even remember. But uh, honestly, the, the controls feel pretty good. And having watched Chris play it first made me much more successful. Like, I got to see him learn lessons so that when I went in, I understood, like, oh, I need to be parrying this way, you know, or... Uh, there are these walls with cracks in it, and unless I have a giant hammer as one of my weapons, I need to trick one of the big enemies, one of the like elite enemies, into attacking this wall so that it will be destroyed and I can get whatever treasures behind it. Um, but that's uh, Curse of the Dead Gods. I like it a lot. It's you know just another roguelike in my repertoire that I like coming back to. There's plenty of stuff for me to s discover in there, whether it's weapons or new curses um, or new challenges. Uh, I, I probably after this will go and, and do the daily challenge that uh, allows me to unlock the currency to get like persistent uh, persistent upgrades. So I, I forget if it's roguelike or roguelite, but it's one of those games where you um, you take upgrades with you, you know, much like in Hades, and you upgrade in between each run. Um, but it's short and sweet. There's lots of clever stuff about it. Um, the the curses, my favorite curse is the one that makes all other curses unknowable. Where once you get that curse, every other curse for that for the rest of the run just appears as question marks. So when you get cursed, you don't even know what you're cursed with. So, you know, like some, some curses are, hey, when you're in the darkness, you take way more damage. Way, way, way more damage. Or uh, another one might be, you know, when you get hit, a uh, light source around you, like if you lit uh, a sconce, well, if you get hit, one of those lights is going to go out. And so the enemies hit you a little harder. It's harder to see, uh, stuff like that. Uh, what else? There's like um, stuff with gold, and and uh, it was like you can no longer collect gold, but you now spend like your blood, you spend your health to up or you to upgrade at uh, the weapon stations or whatever. But anyway, it, it's cool, and I wouldn't have even realized it was on Game Pass if Chris hadn't played it. Uh, but it's a big recommend for me. I've only put an hour or two into it. Uh, but it's, it's a good thing, especially for Halloween. You know, it's got those spooky vibes. The whole point is your characters going crazy as they progress through this run to reach and kill the boss. Uh, but I'm here for it. Yeah, it's got great uh, reviews pretty much everywhere. Uh, it's got that Dead Cells update. Uh, so a nice little crossover within the, within the genre. Um, it's funny and, that that happened because he was talking yeah. about the curses earlier and I was like, wow, that kind of reminds me of the malaise from Dead Cells. Mm -hmm. 
how that like uh, stacks on each other, and then once it reaches the max, it like devastates you. Somehow. So that's cool. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I've been thinking a lot lately about how we have taken how like Hades has done so well, and now it's really easy to compare other games to it, whether they came before or after. Because now, much like a Metroidvania or like a Bloods, uh, uh, Soulsborne uh, series, it's good enough and has enough uh, notoriety that people can use that to point at, to be like, okay, there are a ton of games in this genre or around it, but this has all these specific things that we can point to to kind of give us the language to talk about these games. Because they can be hard to describe um, on their own, but if you have something to compare it to, then suddenly, you know, you can speak each other's language. So in this, uh, when Chris described it as Darkest Dungeon meets Hades, I was like, okay, well, that sounds pre pretty generic. <laughs> well, actually, I thought I was like, that sounds generic because like, how true is that actually? Uh, but he was exactly right. And uh, same with when we played Into the Pit last week for the demo day, and I read online that this game was uh, if id Software played a bunch of Hades and made a game. And I'm like, okay, are we just using Hades in every description? But then I played it and I was like, oh, that was precisely the best way to describe this game. Um, so I, I keep wanting to be hesitant about just like using Hades to describe every roguelike or, you know, oh, it's like Dead Cells. Oh, it's like, it's like all this. But honestly, it's really accurate and it makes it easy to describe the individual elements that make the game good. So... Curse the Dead Gods, yeah. it's on Game Pass. I think it's like 15 or maybe $20 um, on Steam. Yeah, it looks like it's 20 bucks on Steam. And just to, just to clarify for you, uh, if you need another review, the best review I see on Steam, uh, they played it for 41 hours, and they've got this one, this one line. There's like curses and stuff, so that's neat. <laughs> <laughs> that's the entirety of the review. <laughs> And Steam reviews so, are their own their own game. My goodness. Uh, I, can't remember, I can't remember what game I saw it for, but literally I saw a Steam review that just said, it was just one word. And it was like a thumbs up. I recommend this game. And it just said, pizza. <laughs> Fantastic. I, I don't get it, but okay. <laughs> we should have like a competition. Uh, whoever finds the best Steam review like gets to donate money to the charity of their choice or something because man i mean it really is like digging for gold because you'll be like okay that's terrible that's terrible this one i'm saving this is going on twitter that's right uh so similar to this i i mentioned darkest dungeon and i'll just i'll just play this because uh uh yeah darkest dungeon 2 comes out in uh two weeks it comes out on the 26th which is wow. uh a strange day is that a tuesday yeah, it must be a Tuesday. So about two weeks from now. Uh, Dark Ascension 2 by Red Hook. Uh, this video I'm playing right now is from 2013. So it's been a while since Dark Ascension 1 came out. Uh, so the the uh, titular dungeon, I've never even seen in the game. I've still never even gotten a crew strong enough to go into the actual darkest dungeon. Or the, big, the big spooky area at the end of the game. Um, and I probably never will. Uh, I've played it a little bit here and there. I played it on and off stream the past couple of weeks. Um, but I play these games so, so slowly because 
I, I really like to take my time and poke around and see all the possibilities and stuff. Um, but if you don't, if you don't like meticulously look for every detail to make sure it goes right, then you go into a dungeon and instantly die, just immediately lose. Um, so you really do have to take a lot of care, but it's not conducive to playing the game quickly. And like I always say, I am someone who plays games very slowly anyway. So I'm probably never going to see The Darkest Dungeon. I'll probably end up watching uh, some streams before 2 comes out, just so I can see what it looks like. But uh, yeah, 2's coming out. I'm excited to to name a bunch of characters after the community and, and uh, not get too attached to them. Never forget. Oh my god, I, I hope I could fare well, uh, fare better than I did in XCOM. That would be nice. Oh boy, dude, everybody died in XCOM. I think the only person... Okay, actually, here's what's up. Uh, in Darkest Dungeon, Devi, your character, Siobhan, is the only named character still left. Every, every other named <laughs> character uh, has bitten the dust. Um, but your character's having a pretty rough time. She has the, the uh, curse... The blood curse from the DLC, which makes it so she craves, uh, she craves the blood. Where I have to go, I have to fight the mosquito enemies, which are super creepy. Like they're the, in my opinion, easily the creepiest type of horror in that game. Um, all all these humans and creatures are infected. They're they're part insect, and it is gross. It is Ew. so gross, uh, and it's it's really effective. Like. Like body horror, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, I gotta go fight them and get the blood, so your character doesn't uh, waste away. Because it, that uh, that DLC mechanic is that those people are like vampires in in Skyrim, where it's like, oh, I'm strong until I feed, and then I'm weak again. Um, but like, if you if you don't feed at all, they just die, and they it's the only way that you can have someone die in your camp. Like, usually. Uh, usually your squad can only die when you take them into a dungeon and they get killed. But with the blood, they will straight up wither away and die at your camp. And it's terrible. So it's just like, it's another mechanic on top of a game that is trying to kill you in so many ways. Um, but I like it. Uh, it's, it's a whole lot. I'm never going to see the end of it, but I, I enjoy it. And I'm really looking forward to two. Uh, no idea if I'm going to see the Darkest Dungeon in that one. Uh, pfft. I don't even know what the story is because I don't know what happens at the end of this one, but I assume <laughs> I assume nothing good. Uh, yeah, this definitely is an investment, but I, I think it would be overall worth it. Um, reading the Steam reviews for this one is also fantastic. Uh, looks like the top top hours I see is somebody put in 807 hours oh. into this. And then the one bad review that I see says way too RNG based, not really worth the price. Kind of regret this one. But they played it for forty nine hours. <laughs> for forty nine? Yeah, that checks out, man. I have regret. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it it is no. pretty RNG based. That actually is a fair criticism, because uh, my my least favorite part about it is like I will spend all my time meticulously building my team, and then I go and in the very first fight I'm just like, oh, I actually gave this person the wrong ability. Like he has it, but I forgot to select it before the the dungeon. And now my whole team's dead because, so, you know, because of all this stuff. And uh, it's rough. The, the, when you open up the game, it tells you this is a game about dealing with a bad situation. It's like things will go wrong and you just have to figure out how to deal with it. And pff, they weren't lying. They weren't lying. 
But that's uh, Darkest Dungeon. Second one comes out in two weeks. Uh, and then the last thing that I have is Astroneer. Hey. We uh, we What's played that? we played that this past Sunday for Survival Sunday. It is uh, I don't even know when Astroneer came out. This launch trailer's from 2019. I know it's been out for a little while, so it's a survival game that's pretty pretty easy, pretty chill. Um, you're in space, and you know you dig around, collect, or um, build a base. You know, with the resources you get, uh, it's uh, it's interesting. It really hits the spot for me. I really like terraforming and you know digging around. It's it's a reason why I liked uh, Deep Rock Galactic, um, and why I liked Red Faction back in the day. I just really like being able to dig holes and walls and mountains and all this stuff. And so we squatted up. Uh, I completely failed to set up a dedicated server because I don't know how to use a computer. And uh, I I really did try my hardest. I could not get the dedicated server to work. But fortunately, uh, Stars, my, my old good buddy, uh, he's the one who set up our dedicated server for uh, Seven Days to Die when we when we did that. And he just came in and he was like, all right, Thomas, you, you owe me $10. <laughs> and he shows up and basically snaps his fingers and has the server up. Um, and so the the deal is that normally uh, there's no cross-play. You can only play with four people uh, and the host has to be online. With a dedicated server, the host does not have to be online. You can play with up to eight people and it does have cross-play uh, with every platform. I think it might even be on Switch. I'd have to look. Uh, but that's what we did. We had most of us on PC, at least one of us on Xbox. And uh, and it was a really good time. So it's very chill. The only thing you have to worry about, um, like survival-wise, is you always have to tether a line back to your base. So you just drop these little pylons in the ground. Um, and it's pretty easy. But you uh, those give you oxygen. So you've got to make sure you have oxygen. Uh, and don't fall down too many pits and lose all of your ability to get back to your body like I did. Uh, because all my survival tools were down in the pit where I died. So that was that was a struggle. But uh, uh, uh. classic survival. But we, we did that. Uh, everybody can really play at their own pace. It's really relaxing. Um, I decided on Sunday, after I was so frustrated with not being able to get the dedicated server up, um, I just decided not to stream. We had... I think seven of us in discord um and a bunch of people streaming their screens in there so i mean this is just another shout out uh if anybody wants a low-key version where they can watch everybody's perspective you can always pop into our discord um and and see those things but the only hang up i had is that like a lot of survival games um you when you're playing with a group especially when you're playing with people of different experience levels the people like me who have no idea what they're doing, who've never played before, um, it's hard to tell what your progression path is. Like, it's hard to tell what you're supposed to be doing. And the people who've been playing are so good at it that they're just cruising by. They're knocking objectives off the, the list and making all this progress. But that is not clear to everybody in your game. And so I actually wish you could turn off the shared quest in this game. So basically everyone shares the same quest log. But there's no pop-up notification. Well, there's almost no pop-up notification that says when you've completed a quest or what you've unlocked when you upgrade and all this stuff. And so for me, I was digging around in the caves, just 
having a good old time. And I come back to base, and we've got, like, a whole metropolis over here. I don't know what any of these machines are. I don't know how we got them, what they require. They require elements that I have never even seen. Um, and and it's a whole thing. And so it's fun, but it can be tough. And that's just a thing that survival games kind of struggle with. It, it's tough when you have people of different experience levels because there's not a lot of glue, like, keeping everybody together. Um and it was nice to be able to go do my own thing all the time. Like, and we all, I mean, I was still digging in the caves when, uh, when stars took off in a rocket ship that he built and went to another planet and started, you know, mining. So you're not required to like stick around or do anything with each other. Um, but I just wish that it was a little more obvious what the upgrade path was, like what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and it took me a little while to understand the UI. Uh, I, I've already talked enough on it, so I won't really get into it, but the UI is interesting where uh, your backpack that you carry, you physically pull items like onto different parts of your backpack and onto different parts of your machines at home in a way that I don't see a lot of games do. Um, so like if both, if all of us were wearing backpacks in the game, if I wanted to give you an item, I can actually just drag mine from my back backpack and drop it on top of yours, and it'll it'll just suction right on it, just like if you would put it there. Uh, but it's just an interesting physics engine, I guess, uh, system that they've got uh, for all the items and and all this. Anyway, it's a cool game. Uh, that's Astroneer. I'm playing it on Steam because originally we weren't going to do a dedicated server, <laughs> which is. Like, dang, nabbit, I could have just not paid for it because I have it on Game Pass. Um, because, what, what? yeah, normally Game Pass and Steam cannot play with each other, but since we did the dedicated server, it doesn't matter. Um, which is dumb. Steam and Game Pass should be able to play with each other. That's the stupidest thing. I remember when I told my friend to buy Deep Rock Galactic when it was on sale on Steam, and he did, and he never buys any games, ever. And he finally bought one. And then I was like, ugh! You bought the you bought the one I told you, but you bought the wrong one. Like you ha you have to buy it on Game Pass. Uh, so oh, no. so we did not play with each other. That was the end of that. Um, and the friendship it's gone. Yeah, unrepairable. <laughs> but the dedicated server is nice uh, for that. I mean, I'm glad that the dedicated server is an option. Um, so I mean, even throughout the week, I've seen people in our crew just kind of experimenting in there and learning how to play. I jumped on by myself. Um, a couple days ago, and just relaxed, you know, because you can just AFK in this game. Don't starve. You cannot do that. So it's nice to have a survival game where you're not immediately dying the moment you get up to use the bathroom. Yeah, game's fun. I'm playing a whole bunch of that stuff this week. Yeah, it, it does look like a good time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's see. So so what's next? Uh, next week we've got Inscription. I know Chris will be playing that the moment it comes out. I'm trying. I'm working real hard trying to convince him to wait to play it. For, like wait for me. <laughs> and I don't think he's understanding what I'm saying. Like I'm like, hey, can you can you like not play it until I'm there so I can like watch it with you? And he's like, what do you, what are you what are you asking? <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I know I know he's not gonna want to wait because that demo was sick. Uh, and I, I can't wait to see more of it, too, but I think I'll just have to pick it up myself. Uh, but Inscriptions next week, Darkest Dungeons in two weeks. Uh, 
Carlos, you said, did you get your hands on Chasing Static? So uh, Chasing Static came out today. Uh, and so I am grabbing that sucker up over the weekend. Um, what I've seen so far, Chasing Static, I think, is only a maximum two-hour game. But it looks like such a good time. Uh, it's I think it's twelve dollars normally, twelve or fifteen dollars normally, and it's it's under twelve dollars um, right now for a for a sale uh, for the next week or so uh, as part of part of uh, a pre-Halloween special and the release special. So uh, Chasing Static is a very cool-looking uh, horror game that's in between N64 graphics and PS1 graphics. Uh, that just looks like it has the perfect uh, horror atmosphere. You're running around with like these little instruments to uh, to like survey the area and make sure that you're not like getting caught by whatever spoops are around there. Not entirely sure if it's if it's straight up ghosts or or something worse, um, but what I've seen of it uh, looks really cool. Uh, definitely uh, one of those things that. Is very similar to Paratopic, which I've talked about before. But Paratopic is uh, less horror and more of the um, just obscure creep type of game. Uh, and Chasing Static is much more a little bit of a an Alan Wake uh, environment uh, with maybe some uh, Outlast or uh, or even Slender vibes. It, it's generally creepy. Definitely gonna have some scares, um, and maybe not as much as that uh, that other PS1 style game that we that we saw at uh, E3. But Chasing Static is is one to look out for. So that's uh, got we'll Erica Sanderson from the No Sleep Podcast, baby. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, she's one of my favorite um, voice actors. And yeah, there's we'll definitely talk uh, more on spoopy games uh, in the in the coming days. Uh, especially in uh, the Mundown, darker days ahead. Which, ah, of course you did. Um, which uh, Moondawn is this uh, another very visually unique game that uh, I'm going to have plenty to say about when I finish it because it's it's another short game. It's about four or five hours. Uh, I can do that in an entire weekend. It is on Switch, so you know, perfect. Um, it's very much a wicker man style uh art as well as like the the village that this takes place in uh if i remember right it's norwegian or something yeah uh, uh a little it's it, the the language that it, they speak is romanch r-o-m-a-n uh c-h i think which they said uh, i looked up earlier it's the the fourth nat national language of switzerland um there we go of Sweden? No, man. I need I need to be reading words in front of me because my memory is so bad. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's a, a Swiss developer, so yeah, Swiss. Yeah, it's it's real unusual. Uh, pencil drawn, or it's all like hand hand drawn penciled. Yeah, and it's it's not black and white. It's almost a sepia uh, filter that goes across the entire game. It's I would say I would put it up there with being uh, as visually unique as uh, Return of the Obra Dent. So yeah. very interesting uh, title that uh, is supposed to be incredibly creepy. It's not a straight up, uh, you know, Resident Evil game or anything like that. You're not blasting zombies and shit. So uh, it looks very intriguing and 
Um, being that I watched Lamb uh, last weekend, I am looking forward to something a little bit, a little bit different and actually horrifying. Because uh, you know, uh, we we got the slasher of, of Halloween Kills coming tomorrow or tonight, technically. Uh, so I'll be watching that this weekend. But uh, we need some more legitimate scares. Come on, it's yeah. Season. Well, what I like about these, the Mundan and uh, Chasing Static, man. I might be able to see the end of those games. I never see the end of any games because I play endless <laughs> games all the time. So that that will be nice. Um, and a lot of like, I I still don't think I'm going to play the Alan Wake remaster, but if I can find a stream of it, I think I'm going to do that. So I would like to see that story because of all the stuff they're going to do with that extended universe with control and all that stuff. But, uh, the Alan Awake remaster, that's going to be played through... Um, I think I might be thinking of something else, but isn't that the one that's coming to the Switch via cloud or something like that soon? No, Alan Wake uh, is not confirmed for Switch yet, but the rumor is that it's coming, and it should actually be a a regular release. Uh, huh, okay. Because it's not, it's not that significant uh, of a change. Because um, even, even uh, Life is Strange is actually going to be uh, like on cartridge uh, for Switch, so hmm. uh, the remaster, um, the remaster hopefully will be confirmed very soon. But uh, waiting with bated breath. But there's definitely some good spoops uh, around, and like I said, we'll we'll definitely talk about that uh, as it comes uh, closer to the time. Because you know, if you're anything like like a few of us, we. Uh, we definitely want to get into the season uh, as much as as we can during October. Dude, Lizzie and I finally watched <laughs> Alien for the first... Well, we watched Alien, original. Uh, it was the first time Lizzie had seen it. And man, it was so hard to watch. We we kept... We tried to watch it on YouTube, YouTube TV on Lizzie's phone and cast it to the TV. And on two different... In two different ways, it didn't work. Because our smart TV doesn't have a YouTube TV app. It only has regular YouTube. Uh, so then we tried to rent it on Amazon. And the first way we did it, we opened it up and it's just like, there's an error and no error code or anything. And so we had to go another roundabout way because at this point we'd already paid for the rental. We paid like $4 because we were just like, we just need this thing to work. Um, and eventually we got it too. But oh my goodness, man, it was a lot harder to watch a movie than we thought it was going to be. Uh, but it was exciting to watch that. Uh, we're probably going to watch the second one here soon. Um, but it made me realize, like, you know what? Maybe I don't need to play Alien Isolation. I've I've had that on my list for a long time, but I, <laughs> I think I'll just watch that one. Oh, man. you Number one, you need to watch those on Blu-ray, especially the Alien and Aliens. Uh, definitely a Blu-ray, especially if you got you got some extra speakers. Blast that shit. Oh, my God. So good. Um, but yeah, Alien and Isolation is a fantastic game, but you're you're almost you're just better off watching it on YouTube. Yeah. Honestly. I'm sure point. I'm sure uh Gab Smolders might have a video series on it. She does all the horror games ever. Uh so you might want to start there. Bet. There you go. Gab Smolders, Jack's up size girlfriend. <laughs> so when are when are you gonna do a, a spoopy cast, Debbie? Oh, what? Yeah. Excuse me? <laughs> Are we we're gonna get you doing a spoopy cast? I don't know. I don't understand the question. 
<laughs> I tell you what, if I look up if we could all three or four play the new Dark Pictures game, Devi, is there any way we could uh, manipulate? I mean, if we if we could uh, convince you <laughs> to play this game with us. Hold on, let me do like a cursory a cursory Google search because I don't know what that is. You said dark pic. I literally just typed. I just typed in cursory Google search. <laughs> I I told Carlos the other day. I tried to DM him and I typed in Carlos in my URL bar. It didn't work. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, dark picture. Dark pictures. House of Ashes. So I got this pulled up right now. I mean, it's really just a QTE game. Oh, the man. Of, okay, so the man of Medan is that part of the series or whatever? Uh, yes, they're yeah. all. It's an anthology, like the so they're hope. yeah, not related, but uh, yep, all made by the same people. All have the same like storytelling, uh, style, I guess. They've got the the narrator what's who I the, like. What's the newest uh, one called? House of Ashes. House of, apparently, Ashley Tisdale is in that, and she's one of my favorite yeah. actresses. Well, gotta yeah. play it. Gotta play it. I don't know about all that. Uh, no, but I might actually have to. Oh, yeah, Ashley Tisdale. Okay. I, as you said that, I scrolled down and now I can see your face on here. I recognize her. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sharpay from Haskin Musical. Also, the number one Amanda fan that wasn't Penelope Tate. There's a whole episode about that. How many people know she was in that? That was her. I love me some Ashley Tisdale. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I love it that much, though. We'll see. Donate to your favorite charity to get me to play. No, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, let's go. Uh, there's also uh, GTFO if you guys are down for some squad-based shooting. Oh, yeah, activity. like the asymmetrical uh, game, right? Where yeah, you're like, so... trying to escape the space monster or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, except nobody plays, nobody plays the monsters. Because um, these are all... Uh, it's just a squad versus like a horde. Uh, very oh, back that's right. It's stuff. Space Left for Dead. That's right. I remember. Yeah, except it's it's very... Uh, I don't know how to say it. It's very technical. It's basically like becoming the the colonial marines and aliens, though. Uh, but it's it's much creepier. Hmm. Definitely a game to get into. Well, I, uh, still, I still haven't found... still haven't found the answer I'm looking for, because it's kind of a specific question, and I'm not sure really where to look. But if we can have, if we can all play that remotely, I really would love to do that. Uh, because part one of the cool thing about, things about this story is that Debbie, let's say just you and I are playing. Uh, when you're playing on your couch together, we're both looking at the same TV. We would hand the controller off between us when it would switch between a sequence. You know, where at, at the beginning of the game, you each select the characters that you personally are going to play as in the game. And so when it switches characters, it'll say, hey, now it's Debbie's turn. Like, now it's Tom's turn. And so uh, it won't tell you, like, what's going to happen next, but it'll make sure the controller's in the right person's hands. So when you're playing online, uh, there are times where the different play player sequences are actually happening at the same time. So you'd be playing your character while I'd be playing my character, but we only see our first person, or, you know, we only see our perspectives. So it's not like, it takes two where both perspectives are side by side and we both see everything. Instead, there are going to be times where I'm seeing a certain thing and you're seeing a different thing. We might be in the same room, but we're seeing two different perspectives, uh, which doesn't always just mean like 
oh, we're looking at each other from the other side of the room. It might be like, oh, your character is, is cuckoo bananas and is like seeing things. And I didn't see anything. You'll be like, did you see that? And I'll be like, oh, I, I didn't see anything. There must be no spooky ghosts in here. <laughs> uh, but it's a, really, like, huh? yeah, it's a really interesting mechanic uh, because you, you won't always know if the other player does or doesn't see the same thing you're seeing. So unless you like explicitly say what you're seeing all the time, you might not realize that you guys are seeing something different. Uh, and that usually comes up in the decisions you make. Because you'll be like, oh, I saw you do that thing earlier. And I'll be like, that was, wasn't me. I didn't do that. <laughs> like, well, who was it? And of course, those little decisions can make the whole difference because it really gets interesting when players actually start dropping. Yeah. Wait, what? People die in a scary game? <laughs> <laughs> I watched a playthrough. So original. Of uh, Little Hope. And I watched enough of it that I'm not even going to play the game now because I've seen most of it. But man, the person I was watching, they killed almost every character. And they weren't being dumb. But man, there were just some hard quick time events. And, uh, well, they. Oops. <laughs> that was the end of that. <laughs> I was like, damn, I thought, I thought more people would survive. But by the end of it, I think, as far as I watched, like three out of the five characters were already dead. And it's just like, damn. Wow. I mean, in, uh, in Until Dawn which is made by the same people, but it's not technically part of the dark pictures. Um, I was doing great. Didn't lose a single person until the last like five minutes oh, no. of the game. Oh, no. And I still, I kind of call bullshit on this in, in that you're supposed to hold your controller still. Cause the PlayStation, you know, has like the six access or whatever. It's like the equivalent of it. And I remember my friend, when I started the game, he told me, he said, Hey, I'm going to give you one piece of advice and you can listen to it or not. But sometimes the game wants you to hold still. I would just recommend putting your controller down on the table. And I had, at that point, I had already seen a couple of those. And I was like, that's not, they're not even that hard. It's not that big a deal. Well, I got to the end of the game and I swear that I was holding my controller still, but the game didn't think so. And that was a one and done. I would died like straight up just died right there because it thought my controller was moving. And honestly, I was kind of mad. I was kind of pissed because I had worked so hard to keep everybody alive. And like I breathed on my controller and they were just like, oh, you moved. We found you dead. Um, I know exactly the part that you're talking about. And oh my gosh, uh, Bowser was playing through that. And everyone was alive his side too, except for I think Jessica uh, mm -hmm. because of just like a mistake that he had made. Uh, uh, and I know so exactly I what that mistake is because I, yep, I almost did that one too. Oh. Like you, sli <laughs> you slip on the rocks and then you don't reach her in time and she dies or something? No, it's when she's like in the caves or whatever. And so you can like choose to move or stay or move or stay. And that happens like three times. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the last one, he chose the wrong choice. And I'm not going to say which one that is. Um, but uh, she ended up, you know, dying. And so it was at the end of the game. And we get to the part you're talking about. And he was just like, I'm just going to put this on the table. I'm going to put it on the table. And even while it was on the table, it still picked up movement. What? And Rich is like, okay, then then that that tells me because I was sure that I did not move. I was so sure. Then I wonder if it moves and you're supposed to like overcorrect it, like it hmm. moves on its own and you're supposed to do that. So I kind of wish that it would tell you that that's how it works. But well, eh. it was it was very very slight. Like it didn't get out of the range or anything. Like because you know you have to like keep it in the range or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it was just like. Nothing. And then it like the little dot of movement would appear. 
and then nothing and then i swear it was like picking up the heartbeats like from our feet on the ground or something like that like <laughs> <laughs> right you're, you're... i mean some controller technology i mean i wouldn't put it past it because they do some crazy stuff with that stuff so yeah and i mean even now with the ps5 i would imagine it would be even more because uh even like the triggers i remember the ps4 when it first came out uh I, i'm pretty sure they patched this because it doesn't happen or i don't remember it happening where you'd be watching youtube or something and you would set your controller down on the couch and it would skip all the way forward because it was like oh you pressed the right trigger and i'm like man it was like the slightest nudge like come give me cuts cut me some slack here uh, and the, the ps5 controller the triggers are they're like sensitive but in a good way and i'm i mean i haven't had many problems with them yet but of course we could load this game up and i could just immediately die because the triggers are just like too they're too strong they're too powerful it's like in futurama did you press the right trigger no i think i'm pretty sure you did like <laughs> <laughs> quiet robot you don't know hopes deleted <laughs> And uh, so we we got a little bit of spoopy game talk in there, uh, and that's definitely something we'll get into a little further on this month. I cannot wait to uh, play a lot more of these games um, to really get into the feel of it. I legit want to be scared. Um, that that brings me to a little little tiny short uh, party topic that uh, I wanted to bring up to you guys just to to see if the see what kind of discussion we can have. Uh, oh my because... God, Carlos, what is that behind you? <laughs> so I, did have to, I did have to look a little bit extra because I'm like, there is a mirror over there, maybe. Oh, you cheater! <laughs> I wasn't gonna flip back, um, but Metroid Dread has uh, it's it's brought up so much conversation over the past week. Um, and there's one particular item about that that I wanted to bring up because today it just went off on Twitter. So, um. It's accessibility in very specific genres. Uh, for those of you that are not familiar with uh, Metroid, well, it's a franchise that created an entire genre of game. And then another game called Castlevania came out, and it built upon that foundation. And so people talk about Metroidvanias as a genre, and if you've been around in games in the past five years, you might have seen a shit ton of them. Mm -hmm. uh, it, we really had a resurgence, uh, resurgence of uh, Metroidvanias, uh, basically starting with uh, Axiom Verge, and then Hollow Knight, and Ori and the Blind Forest, and then Ori and the Will of the Wisps. There's a million uh, Metroidvania-style games out there, uh, including... Metroid games that continue coming out and Castlevania games that continue coming out. And so with that, uh, David Jaffe, a well-known video game developer, uh, known mostly for Twisted Metal and uh, working on the God of War series for Sony Santa Monica way back when, um, he's, uh, he's on Twitter basically uh, for the hottest of takes, talks a whole lot, and he happened to uh, bring up a, a thing today uh that was metroid dreads play style so um he straight up called the uh the play style uh, in a very particular uh sense uh crappy developing and that is that there are moments in metroid and there are mo moments in every metroid game in which 
you actually have to explore. That's the point of the series is exploring these um, these maze-like maps that have a whole lot of puzzles and they have a whole lot of abilities and upgrades that you need to find. And uh, there was a specific point uh, in Metroid Dread that he felt was uh, a little out of line and uh, did not did not suit him being a game developer. And so when Thomas is back, we can have him run the video here. Um, but there's a very particular part that there are blocks that you need to shoot in order to advance in this particular part of the level. And he missed it. Um, but there's there's all these things, like visual cues that games can lend to you. Like in this particular clip, uh, if Thomas can pull that uh, that Twitter clip up. Yep, I'll pull that uh, up right now. That I put in there. Um, <laughs> you'll see that there is there is an enemy in the level above you, and you can't see a, a way immediately to get there. And that is generally a thing that has always happened in Metroidvanians. So you... um, hold on. Yeah, no problem. Uh, let's see and if I can frame uh... this. Uh, just keep keep uh, keep uh, chit chat because <laughs> oh yeah you might just see my whole Twitter feed for a second. You're good. So um, before is the, is the Corporal Glitch the one that's like a whole bunch of like other players playing the game at that specific part trying to reach the enemy or something like that? Or uh, I think that's the same clip. Yeah. Okay. Because I saw that earlier on Twitter, I didn't realize he was the one who had posted that. Yeah, he was the one that. Uh, posted the other stuff uh there were people that were posting that in regards to what he said so um oh okay. he made a whole thread and he started he started deleting a couple things uh Ooh, that's he, when you know you're wrong yeah <laughs> but of course he he doubled down on most of his argument but uh, at the end of the day uh my question to you guys uh, in particular is um you know when is when is a genre defining characteristic something that you feel is has to be accessible because um, you know there's there are some games that are you know right off the bat what you're getting into right um, and where does that line cross for you as far as needing that needing to know this or that and specifically in metroid dread you actually are presented with the information beforehand uh, so you technically wouldn't be lost um, but david jaffe was um, have, have you guys found yourselves in a, a situation like that I mean, a lot of the times it just comes down to common sense. You know what I mean? Like it, a lot of good game design in games will present you with a puzzle like piece by piece. Like for instance, uh, World 1-1 in Super Mario Bros. You know, you try to go to the left, you can't. The screen doesn't move. So you're like, oh, I learned how to go to the right. And then you encounter your first Goomba, right? And then you're just like, do, do, do. oh, I died. Okay, well, I have to, I can jump in this game. I have to jump over the thing or jump on it or whatever, you know? And so... It's all pieced together like that. And I don't think that Metrovanias are like any different in that regard. Like you said, you were presented with the information. So you should know what to do if you see something that looks impossible. Then it's just like, oh, well, let me try this thing that the game told me I could do or that I learned while playing the game or do something that I haven't learned while playing the game. You know, just try, try everything, you know, so it's not like yeah. a why can't Metroid cross situation. <laughs> uh, so as, as far as that goes, I feel like it's just common sense. Uh, and or gamer instinct, quote unquote, as it's as it's known uh, colloquially. And whenever I'm watching someone who doesn't have that 
or has like minimum fat, uh, it's frustrating to me because it it feels like it's just right there. So I feel like if you are presented or have learned the information in the game, like via design, I think that's enough accessibility, quote unquote, for me. Um, I don't think that there should be, you know, a simple way or a, or like around it or anything. I feel like you should attack the, the thing the way the game wants you to attack the thing. And if you can't figure that out, well, I mean, that's, that's where help from your friends comes in. You know, I get by with a little help from my friends. <laughs> I, I remember the days when, you know, secrets and, and unlockables and stuff were shared by word of mouth. So like, I'm, I'm okay wow. asking for help, you know? If if you can't figure something out, then there's no point in complaining about it because other people will have. So ask them for the wisdom that you that you seek. You know what I mean? Yeah, nice. I mean, I I can see I can see a few sides of this. I mean, I don't know. I think the only strong opinion I have in this argument is that you should just try not to get mad at game devs <laughs> for the stuff they do, uh, because like on one hand, it could be it could be an accident. Uh, you know, whether it's in Metroid or any other game, like whatever they did might not have been on purpose and they might patch it. But if your issue is with like the type of game and like the like, Metroidvania is not new. I mean, Carlos, you just gave us a bunch of examples of how common Metroidvania games are. I mean, they started coming and they never stopped coming. And if that, if that, uh, <laughs> if that's not your cup of tea, then it's that's probably just not the genre for you. And that's not to say that like games shouldn't be accessible to people, but there are sometimes where like trial and error and like uh I mean look at a look at a game like Limbo. Limbo is a game that you learn specifically by dying. The game intentionally kills you so that you learn after that. It doesn't teach you first like a lot of games. It waits until after you've died for you to be like, "Okay, not going to jump in the water. I cannot swim." You know? <laughs> Um, and so I think it'd be a fair criticism to be mad that the game didn't tell you uh, that you're supposed that you can't swim, you know, before you jumped in the water. But that's specifically how the game is designed. And if you don't like it, that's fair. But just just don't get I don't know don't don't get too upset about it because maybe it's just not made for you and other people really do like it. I like Darkest Dungeon, but I'm never going to see the end of it because I'm bad at that game. Like I'm bad at a lot of the games I play. But I still like them, and I'm not going to be mad at the developers because, you know, because the game's too hard. Because it being hard is like the point. Um, not to say that Metroidvanias uh, are supposed to be so challenging, like uh, like Darkest Dungeon, or even with uh, like a lot of roguelikes. But yeah, my my only real dog in this fight is just like don't don't get mad at a whole genre if if potentially it's just not for you like it's just not it has a specific mechanic that every single one of these games has and to fit in this genre it has to have that and you're saying it shouldn't have that like you're saying that that fundamentally should be altered well maybe a game will come along that'll work out for that guy but it doesn't seem like it's this one and it's it's a shame he couldn't you know he didn't enjoy that aspect but yeah. i don't know but yeah. he's a game developer. You're saying that user error is a possibility for Mr. Super Duper Knowledgeable Game Developer? I don't know. They aren't human. <laughs> he he did eventually <laughs> uh he did eventually say like like I said, he did double down on his opinion, but at the end of the day today he was like Well yeah, I do suck at most games, but <laughs> and it's like, well, 
you don't have to say game design bad just mm-hmm. because you design games. Yeah. Um, and, and that's that's something that we've seen a, a ton with a lot of things. Um, Thomas Happ, the developer of Axiom Verge, has been talking all week, and it's been great to see that because you know this guy made his passion project based on this genre and he expanded upon it and then made one of the toughest versions of the genre (laughs) known to mankind um axiom verge was rough to get through and that's coming from somebody that i've played through the first metroid at least 10 times uh like i (laughs) said before my brother too uh, just over and over, there were there's a stretch of years. My brother, I would just ask him what he's playing, and he was still playing Metroid. Like he, <laughs> he played. Uh, what's the zero? What's the one with the parasite that you mentioned? Well, which, uh, which, fusion. fusion, dude. He loves mm-hmm. fusion, and he loves to tell me about the story of fusion. And I still couldn't tell you anything about it except it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, Carlos, you had mentioned. I could have said this earlier, but I know you had mentioned. Uh, you like that Metroid Dread kind of did a return to story. And I've never cared that much about the story of Metroid, but you know, I don't I don't have like I don't like super love that series like a lot of people do, so that's okay. But man, my brother loves the story of Metroid, loves it. And so I should really hit him up and see see how he likes this game. I'm probably playing it right now. Yeah, she, the... she adopts a little baby Metroid in the story. <laughs> like how could you not yeah. love that? Little tiny yeah. Metroid. Super Metroid has one of the greatest. It's, I mean, outside of maybe Final Fantasy One. I, I mean, there's not a whole lot of NES games that that can tout an amazing story. And uh, Super Metroid technically is, is super, but whatever. Um, you know, that age, the it didn't really. There weren't really that many great stories until SNES, really. Um, but Super Metroid brought in some some sci-fi tropes that weren't really seen in games yet and uh that was one of them uh she uh it's not a spoiler for anybody i mean it is but it's not 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 a 30 i mean at this point is it is it with your smash debut and everything is it (laughs) for anybody that doesn't know uh yeah in super metroid uh samus uh say finds a baby metroid and uh goes through parts of her adventure with it and uh, oh i thought you were going to talk about her being a woman Oh no! <laughs> isn't that when she's revealed to be a woman? Is in Super uh, Metroid? No, that's actually the very first game. But is it actually at the end of Metroid? Yeah, yeah. the hilarious okay. ending of Metroid is. Uh, I thought that was the ending unveiling. of Super. <laughs> it's her unveiling of uh, the the purpley pink, like really the space bikini <laughs> and her green hair. God, yeah, it's it's hilarious. Um, but yes, Super Metroid, like she raises this baby Metroid and. It ends up saving her in the end like, from this massive boss that she didn't know existed. It sacrifices itself for her. And uh, Fusion has a, a bird. I forget what it, what it, its name was, but a, a bird that she kind of uh, befriends throughout. Uh, and and like, she names it Metroid. No. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, there's, there's some really cool elements to the story. And this one, um, a lot of people got emotional because we have uh, Samus's voice. Which I think other M had some voice lines. I think mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty sure she one... has the same voice actress as Rosalina. I'm pretty sure that's yeah, the case for Smash. Sure, but... Uh, but in this, she 
really pulls off the Master Chief feel, uh, except better. And a lot of people have been talking about that uh, this week. Wait, Master Chief have, char- have character? <laughs> <laughs> like, the the stoic, uh, quiet power. But in, in this okay. case of uh, Samus, she doesn't have to talk because, you know, she's not coming up against things that are talking most of the time. But you do find some Chozo, so the people that basically gave uh, Samus her suit uh, and raised her. Um, she meets uh, she meets a Chozo in Dread and has this one just straight powerful line. And when it happens, you're just like, oh, okay, okay, I'm I'm hyped. I can play through this entire game right now. Um, it was very exciting to see that. Um, like I wasn't going to, but now you know what? I'll stick with it. Yeah, it was it was very much like a Master Chief takes off his helmet sort of situation. You're just like, this is unbelievable right now. I'm, I'm really wait, that happened in it. No, like, uh, but that that feel that you. Just I was about had. to be like, is he hot? <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, there's there's some really great stuff uh, coming through uh, Metroid Dread's release and uh, a lot of conversation. And again, the the whole genre accessibility thing. I just think it's funny that it was brought up because we saw, we've seen such hype from this game that there were streamers that, there were so many streamers this weekend that have never touched a Metroid. And a lot of them haven't even played, you know, Hollow Knight and Axiom Verge and any of the newer stuff either. And uh, they struggled <laughs> pretty handily, um, but in a really fun way. You know, I, I watched uh, Obake Pam, the VTuber for uh, PlayAsia. And she was hilarious because <laughs> uh, when the when the Emmys came up, she just could not handle it. She was completely incapable of uh, of uh, doing what they tell you in the game. It's like when you're in an Emmy zone, just just survive. <laughs> That's your entire uh, your entire goal when you're in there. Um, so it it was very interesting seeing a game bring people together in that way because it's not like like a lot of people streamed Dark Souls, but. I don't feel like everybody streamed Dark Souls. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that I don't know that we saw like Pokimane uh, playing Dark Souls when it first released or anything like that. It's just a Dread has brought out a, a new a new sort of hype. I feel like that's really exciting. Yeah, I saw a tweet I think uh, a couple of days ago that was just like the fact that the hype has lasted this long after the game has come out. You know, is something like to be spoken about because with a game like this i mean it, it was marketed pretty well you know they did like the they kept releasing all the 2d high res art of samus from the past and all that whatnot um nintendo won't shut up about it they're still talking about it which is great i love that um but it's it's been keeping uh the zeitgeist which is one of our favorite words alive uh for dread and i'm really excited about that because not only does that mean it's a successful revival of a franchise that's long been dead for like the last two decades or whatever but that means that the potential sequels that come after will be just as um like prolific if not better because you know sequels so i'm really excited about the direction of the franchise now that this has happened because it's besides you know the dude uh People have been really, really loving it. And it's one of the first Metro games that I've actually wanted to buy. So, because usually I would just, it's not really like my kind of genre, like my kind of game. So I would just like borrow it. But like, I want to like own this. Yeah. I play it whenever I want. Yeah, me too. This is the first time I've like 
I actually wanted to buy a Metroid game in a long time. Um, yeah, it's that's not my favorite genre in the world, but the it's hard not to be excited with that trailer. The trailer for that game was really good. So, uh, I couldn't you know. get enough of the uh, the little the short commercial that they have the be the bigger be the bigger threat commercial, where the girl is like has the uh, the Emmy. Oh, and she turns around and and, and like the turns helmet comes on. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I was like, ooh, imagine if Samus was. That would be really cool. Like I get, she has my left-handed representation. You know, she and Link do, and you know, obviously she's got the woman representation. But we need some like. Nintendo, can we can we get some more like black characters that aren't in Pokemon? <laughs> yeah. Why can't we? At least bring back the black Olimar skin and Smash. Something. <laughs> but that would be really cool. I looked it up by the way, and it's the same voice actress as Crystal from Star Fox, not Rosalina. Yeah. That's actually pretty awesome. I didn't mm -hmm. know that. That's mm -hmm. really cool. I have to get confirmation. I didn't want the comments to be like, you know what I mean? So <laughs> Yeah. We get we get constant hate about everything. That's right. <laughs> I mean, this is producing content on the internet. <laughs> All right. So, does anybody else have anything to say over Metroid or any announcements or anything we need to go? Uh, well, I don't have anything about Metroid, but I do have some more spooky, spooky news to like drop on y'all. Yeah. Uh, for those of us who are local to like the KC Metro area, there is this esports arena called. Uh, I can't say esports arena because that's an actual franchise. There is a place where you can go for esports competition uh named level up arena um we've talked about it sometimes in the past and uh, i happen to work there we're doing a big halloween bash on the 30th it's going to be unlimited fountain drinks it's going to be dancing and music we have an in-house dj um there's going to be full access to the computers uh, and consoles so just unlimited gaming uh all for only ten dollar entry haha <laughs> so um there's also going to be a costume contest please come dressed up to the nines in your favorite costume or, you know, as your favorite dead person, um, you know, just come on out and have a good old spooky, spooky time. I'm trying to get them to get a fog machine, but they're worried about the water vapor getting all up at the computers. So we'll see. We'll see where we are in that. That's a valid concern. That's it funny. is a valid concern, but I still want atmosphere. <laughs> uh, the only thing I've got, uh, we're working on details now, but you can expect an Extra Life stream on November 6th, which is Extra Life Game Day. Uh, it's also our one-year anniversary is party invite. Boo, boo, boo. Yay! Uh, so that's very exciting, but I don't really have details to share yet. Uh, but you can definitely expect to see more uh, about that in the next few weeks. But you can certainly expect a stream uh, on definitely on Saturday, but probably Friday and Saturday, uh, November 5th and 6th. So that'll be a whole big thing. Last year, we played uh, Community Among Us to raise money. Uh, we raised just shy of a of hundred, of a thousand dollars. And uh, our goal, at least the goal I've set, is dramatically higher than that. So I'm really hoping to reach that. Uh, but yeah, that's Extra Life on November 6th. So you'll hear more about that each episode as we get closer. So excited. Yeah. Uh, speaking of like working together with like other people and stuff, um, I did forget to mention this in the show, but Elite Comics, a local, uh, you know, top and shop, comic shop, uh, they are having like an after party during our Halloween bash. It was kind of like a fusion event. So staff and staff like and, a like a Metroid uh, fusion. People will be coming over. <laughs> uh, we'll be coming over from you know their event to come to our event, and they're going to be part of the cosplay contest as well. And uh, you might even be able to snag some goodies. I don't know. I I don't know the full details behind it, but I know we're going to be working with them somehow. So I figure it's probably going to be some elite comic goodies. 
And if not, you can probably weasel your way, like the manager's going to be there. So you can probably weasel your way to something, I'm sure. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Yeah. We got a lot of big stuff coming up for sure. Uh, I mean, so, it's yeah, October. I... It's like the biggest month of the year. <laughs> Christmas who? <laughs> right. I think that'll do that. Uh, I think that will do for the podcast tonight. So uh, let's everybody say our goodbyes for that. Uh, otherwise, we'll get into uh, whatever we got next. So see ya. Cool. Okay. Bye. See you, podcast. Bye. Okay. We love you.